0: This might look like a normal job, but it's not. When hackers infiltrate networks and steal or destroy proprietary data, we're all at risk. Becca used to be a mid-level programmer until she earned a master's degree in cybersecurity online at Grand Canyon University. Now she's setting sophisticated honeypots to lure and catch hackers. What do you think protecting your company looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. This is Indian Noir. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 8 of Fear FM. Hey, Vetrivel, one last hit, please. Deepa begged as the dealer pulled up his jeans, closed his zipper and wandered over to a table to drink a mouthful of thumbs up straight from a plastic bottle. I can fuck you no more. So I can't give you any more of the good stuff for free, sister. He said. You got any money? Watches etc., etc. I don't, but I can try and get you some, Deepa said, swaying and flicking her tongue in and out like a snake. Her eyes were rolling around in their sockets like a carnival house ride. Her blurred vision placed Vetrivale at different points in the room every time she blinked. De Nayar, she said. Bring me Gandhi, sister, and I will oblige, he said, rubbing his fingers together to indicate cold hard cash. Deepa tried to get up, but her legs felt heavy as lead. She wasn't making it out of the room without assistance. She tried to stand up one last time, but she landed on her ass real hard. Then she vomited. Uh, uh. Oh no, you disgusting piece of shit! Ah, look at what you've done to my den! Vittravel said. He grabbed Deepa's clothes from the floor and helped her up at the same time. Then he walked her out of the room to the entrance of the stairwell and seated her down next to it. Here. For all time's sake, he said, throwing a small packet with a single blue pill in it. Thanks, thanks, deepa said as she opened the packet and popped the pill onto her vomit-coated tongue. She closed her eyes. A doorway had opened in another dimension that took her far away from the filthy floor and her naked body. A doorway, opened by the drugs she had just consumed. Here, in another plane of reality, was a new home for little Miss Deepa. Where her parents greeted her with permanent smiles. Where they would never raise a hand, never utter an uncouth word. A place she could return to every evening the abode of people she could trust to share her problems with. It had light blue walls and blossoming spring flowers on its ceilings, and the floor was the azure, transparent, shallow surface of the ocean in Lakshadweep. Her parents played an Udid Narayan song on the Sony cassette player deck, and together they danced hand in hand. Bliss. Lost in that magical place, Deepa was not party to the betrayal her body was perpetrating on her. Her blood pressure dropped. There was foam coming out of her mouth. She lost control of her bowels. Deepa slid down the coarse surface of the wall she had been propped up against by the drug dealer, scratching her face in the process. Death was near, the colours in her room disappeared, the flowers and the ocean were replaced by shadows. Her parents changed too, their bodies vibrated as they rapidly transformed into L'Alchadale. It's not your time yet Deepa, before you pass on, you will need to come to me, help me with my ceremony. I will show you where I am." The two forms of the Lalchdale that were once her parents, said to her. They pulled Deepa close and whispered into her ears. Once they were done, they let go of her and walked backwards till they merged with the darkness in Deepa's imaginary home. Your death will be by my hands, Deepa. Deepa! 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 Deepa? Deepa? Deepa! Anjali said as she shook her friend who had overdosed. She slapped her across the cheek several times, trying to get her to wake up. Anjali had spent the last half an hour searching the dodgy corridors and the stairways of the building for her friend. And when she finally chanced on Deepa's terrible plight, she immediately placed a call for an ambulance and was now doing her best to prevent her from slipping into oblivion. I am not losing you, Anjali said. I am not losing one more person. I refuse to. When Deepa woke up, She saw Anjali staring out of the hospital room's window with a cup of steaming hot coffee in her hand. Hey, Deepa said feebly. Anjali placed her coffee on a table and approached Deepa. You have been coming in and out of Mini beauty sleeps. Are you finally here? Awake? Anjali said. How many days? Deepa asked. Three, Anjali replied. And yes, you were this close to death, Anjali said, displaying a narrow space between her thumb and her forefinger. Thanks for looking after me. Why though, I thought you wanted me to get away from your life, Deepa said. Because I need some answers from you, Anjali said. Deepa looked disappointed. I don't know if you're ready to talk about it, Anjali said. Lachudel, Deepa said. Anjali nodded. Why would I? You're not my friend. Why would I choose to help you? Oh wait, now I am indebted to you because you saved my life and I need to repay the debt with answers, Deepa said. I was a good friend to you. I was always a dear friend to you, till you screwed me over before my university admissions. I gave you some of the money my parents had saved for my fees. I thought you were going to use it to go to that rehab clinic in Noida. Instead, I find that you blew it on heroin and weed. And do you remember what you said when I confronted you about it? Anjali said. Deepa hung her head in shame. You told me you were setting an example for me. Saving me from the drudgery of doing what my parents wanted me to do. You disrespected me and my parents. My parents had worked their ass off for that money. I decided that you had broken my trust for the last time, Anjali said. A single drop of tear travelled down Deepa's left cheek. That was when I decided you were not my friend anymore. And yes, I saved you because I need you to now help me deal with this large business. That is what you wanted, right? For me to believe you. Here I am. I believe you. I believe the Lalchuril has something to do with the disappearance of all these teen girls, including my niece, Anjali said. Deepa whimpered and wiped her tears. Anjali sat on Deepa's bed and pointed a finger at her. But for us to find these girls, I need you to stay off the drugs. Can you do it? Anjali asked. Deepa nodded. We might not be friends, but I expect you to be a good partner. Lives depend on it, Anjali said. Yes, yes, I will. I am a good person. I want to do something useful with my life, Deepa said. Anjali got up from the bed and walked towards a painting on the wall. It was a cheap dollar shop frame featuring a bad watercolour illustration of a forest at dusk. An essential feature of hospital rooms around the world. I have been seeing her horrible face, Anjali said. And seeing my... Her words got caught in her throat. She wants us to go to her, Deepa said. Why? Anjali said, turning around. She keeps talking about a ceremony, Deepa said. This has something to do with Seema, doesn't it? You were right the whole time. She took her all those years ago, just like she took my niece, Anjali said, placing a hand on her forehead, like she was dealing with a dreadful migraine. I know how to find her. She told me, Deepa said. Anjali looked at her with a horrified expression. But first we must go somewhere and convince someone to come along, Deepa said. In the corner of the painting on the wall, a tiny new painted figure appeared, barely noticeable to the casual observer. A figure dressed in red, standing underneath the golden orange and green foliage. Its face was half beautiful and half rotten. And it featured a look of delirious joy. Electrical engineer Sudeep Chakrabarti's funeral was a sombre affair. The soundtrack to this grey cloudy day was the sound of his pyre burning and the occasional harsh calls of crows. Komal, her brother and her mother were joined by hundreds of other mourners in the cemetery to farewell a beloved father, friend and colleague. As Komal wept, she tried to suppress the feelings of guilt that rose in her. While she didn't remember exactly what happened that night, she knew in her soul that she was partially responsible for her father's plight. Also, she was starting to remember the face of the horrid woman who wanted to welcome her into her cold embrace. I'm sorry, Papa, she said tearfully. She was not the only one shedding tears while gazing at the burning pyre. She felt mildly consoled by the outpouring of grief from her father's passing, by friends and even strangers. Her father was an amazing man, and soon he would be nothing but a pile of ash. As she scanned the crowd, her eyes suddenly fell on the horrid apparition from that tragic night. She wiped her tears, thinking that her blurred vision was making her see things that did not exist. But she was wrong. Standing opposite to her was the ale, dressed in red, half of her face rotting away and covered in maggots and flies feeding off her decaying eyeball. The other half of her face grazed a beatific smile. Cormel drew the attention of her mother and others standing nearby to the dreadful vision. Do you see her? The monster? She's right there. But her mother and the mourners dismissed her comments and returned to the business of grieving. The truth dawned on her like a cold winter morning chill. The others couldn't see what she was witnessing. Beads of sweat formed on her forehead and she struggled to breathe. It was like someone had stuck a cork in her throat. the large railed smile grew wider. She raised her hand and pointed at someone. Komal looked in that direction. The evil incarnate was pointing at her innocent brother. Her intentions were clear. If Komal didn't go with her, her brother would be the next one to meet with a dreadful accident. Komal looked around at the grieving throng of humanity. Then she looked at her weeping family. This can't happen again. Not to the ones she loved. The lalchadale nodded. Komal, undetected by her wailing mother, slipped away, squeezed through the sea of mourners, and walked towards the cemetery gates, where the woman in red waited patiently. We expect a lot from our homes. They're more than a place to hang your hat. They're where you try your hand at gardening and new recipes, rest and recharge, work and play. And that's why at HomeAdvisor, we're committed to keeping your home up and running. Whether you need to repair an overloaded appliance, or you're looking to create a backyard retreat worthy of a summer staycation, use the HomeAdvisor app day or night, and we'll find a local pro to get the job done right. Whatever you need, we'll do everything to fix your everything. Download the Home Advisor app today to get started.